What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dogs Football Podcast. Feels ever so great to hear that fight song after a week that we just had. I'm Nick Malone, joined by Noah Lurch. Noah, what a win! I mean, we is one of the it's one of the biggest wins in program history. Beating Northwestern, you and I were not confident coming into this game because of the you know how the team had been playing going into this week. But man, was it the biggest bounce back that we could have asked for? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, I said it. I've been saying it for the first two weeks. I said, I I won't have any confidence in confidence in this football team till it's till it's proven that they are the football team we expected them to be. And that football team showed up Saturday. I mean, right out of the gates. I mean, this defense. I mean, if we would have that defense we saw on Saturday, we're three and zero going in probably top three in the country and going in higher than ever in conference play. Yeah, it's like it just took time for them, but they've had all this time. You know, we've talked about how, and we'll get into it, this probably was the best game by, you know, most of the new players on this team that we were expecting big things out of, you know. So most of those guys have been around here, you know, from from spring to just from the get-go for the season even, like, was focused on. So I feel like the chemistry should have been there. But I can understand the first game, but you don't allow that many points after giving up 98 the first two weeks. But, yeah, I mean, just a enormous – like, yeah, just an enormous bounce-back game against a team like this. And we've talked about how this is only our second win against the Big Ten team since those six season win they kill, due for four touchdown passes when we upset Indiana. Uh, we'll obviously get into this game and even, like, <clears throat> what we experienced this weekend we'll talk about. Uh, Nick Baker got an honor this week, and we'll see where he ranks all time. Mike had a tweet about that today. Nick Hill did have a 30-minute presser. We'll talk about, you know, some of the most important parts of it, about the first half of it. Uh, then we'll get around the FCS. There were some really good games this past week. New rankings. We might or might not be on them. You'll have to wait and see. And then a bracketology might, might or might not be on that as well. And then we'll get into the uh, commits games. We actually were able to keep in touch with one to you know, confirm, you know, what's been going on with his team and his stats. And then we'll sneak peek North Dakota for another, that'll be another tough game next weekend. So, you know, let's dive into this game. I mean, before we got there, we left Friday, we went, stayed at a nice hotel at a Holiday Inn around in the Evanston area, right? We had a great view out of our window. We got there, ate at a place, you know, shortly down the street, but cruise through Chicago on the way there. I've been to Chicago in seven years. You go almost every year you uh, to watch the Cubs and and go in general. Uh, it was a great experience. And, you know, like I said, staying in a nice place and then being able to wake up and park it. We actually were surprised the parking that was cheap for that we were able to have. And then we just walked in there. Ryan Field's a nice place. No other great. A lot, a lot of SIU fans. We showed that through the game. And we posted about that, how, you know, the reaction at the end of the game, which we'll get into at the end, but no, a great, uh, you know, and there's a lot of Chicago SIU fans, a lot of alumni and the alumni definitely showed up this past week and we had a great crowd. Yeah, absolutely. A great turnout. Um, SIU, I mean, the way the Chicago alumni are, they came out in full support. Um, it was a bad spot they put them in, but it didn't matter because SIU chance. Um, everything we, every time SIU had momentum, SIU chance would rain over, um, not a lot of Northwestern fans. There was, they had an okay crowd, I guess. Um, I know that place sits a lot, but, um, very cheap tickets. Like I talked about in the pre-show, we had great seats. 
Um, but yeah, great turnout. Got to meet some uh, Saluki fans that are alums that are live up there in that area that um, I talk to on a daily basis, basically about Saluki sports. So that was cool to meet those guys. So uh, it was a great experience. You're right. We got perfect seats. We were probably a row behind our sideline and we were, we got there a little early. The sun was shining. It was kind of overcast throughout. Got sunburned a little bit, but uh, yeah, you're right. Terrible turnout at the start of the game. And then they tried, they started the file in. They had a good, they had nice facilities. We walked around a little bit and they, uh, you know, they have a nice way that the players come onto the field and they had tons of, we know how we do the Saluki freshman walk. They had millions. It seemed like it went on for at least 10 minutes them running across the field. They had a lot of those, and they went and sat down, but it did fill up. I haven't seen a, what the attendance had been up to this point, but it was a great experience. So let's dive into the, the game that was because it was an incredible one. And one that we honestly weren't that confident in right away, Noah. Let's jump into – or before that, actually. Do, what do we notice on the – anything we always like to notice – we had a perfect view, obviously, of what was on the sidelines, who was hurt, who obviously didn't play, and anything we know. We noticed that, Noah, they, they dressed a couple freshmen, and they didn't have – a lot, a lot of other – usually on these big trips, they don't carry. You know, they don't bring everybody, They but they dress some people. Let's dive into the ones that they did, if you recall, and then and anything else we notice on the sidelines. Yeah, I recall that uh, true freshman-wise, Sean Lester, he was dressed. Um, who else did we see? Just trying to think off the top of my head now. Uh, Desmond Hearns. Yeah, Desmond Hearns. More of the – Ben Bogle. Yeah, Ben Bogle. More of the – those were the only three, I think, that I, I saw. Um, one thing we did notice, we kind of talked about it at the game. Um, I I maybe think we saw him last week with a towel over his head and an arm brace. We haven't seen Levi McAfee all year. I don't know if that was him last week. Uh, but just off the top of my head, um, injuries going into the game, we do know. Um, Derek Harden Jr., he was held out, and Sam Buck's still battling a concussion. So um, it was Abdu Toure at right tackle. Then Jake Green moved inside, and Bo was at the left tackle spot. So um, pretty good offensive line play from that. But other than that, I don't – I mean, Bryce Miller was a go. Exactly, and we'll, we'll get into him. He had, a, he had a nice start to this game, but we didn't see him that often throughout – you're right. We, I mean, Calvin Francis, he's dressing every week, but, you know, I guess he's in case of emergency thrown in there. He was stretching a lot and celebrating a lot over there. So they're obviously working him back slowly, but surely. We saw Isaiah. He, he's make the trip, of course, and we just wanted to think, and we remember Nick saying that he's still a couple weeks away. We're looking forward to what he can bring now with the Bryce Miller involved, what this passing attack can be. So, yeah, that's, that is what we noticed. So let's jump into this game, Noah. Um, they won the toss and they deferred to us, correct? So we started off uh, – we actually were moving the ball just fine. And we'll get into the missed opportunities in this game, but we punted on our first drive, thinking, you know, of course that's not how you want to start. Uh, and feel free to jump in when I mention some of these. If, you know, throughout these drives, if you recall stuff that, you know, the team missed out on. We, there were some drops in this game. We'll get to those as well. But we punted off, but, no, we jumped right back to defense – had a great run. We know Evan Hall will get to his stats in the day that he had. He was an incredible player and was able to run the ball at we'll first. Mention, I will um, mention here real quick. Nathan Torney mentioned him. First punt was awful. Only 31 yards. Um, he had a good one at, in towards the end, but it went into the end zone. So uh, his first two punts, I believe, were 30-something yards. 
It's a good point. Yeah. And that's, he was, we talked about it before. He was probably the dog, you know, the special teams dog of the game. Jake was, and we'll get to him. He had a miss and a make in this game, but Torney had to flip the field for us if we had any chance. And that's why it felt like we didn't have a chance at first. So we punted, but like I said, we, they, their punter had a 52 yard punt for a touchback though. So we got, you know, the typical field position, couldn't do anything with it again. We punted in four plays, but we took four and a half minutes. So, you know, we were doing a couple of things. Avante, you know, he got, he was heavily involved, him and his brother in the run game in this one. And Avante did at one point have a catch that extended his mark, but I think that's all he had catching wise in the game. We noticed how he was a little banged up at the end. Uh, and we didn't see him in any of the celebration pictures. So we'll get to that again, Noah. But once they got the ball back on their second possession, they went 14 plays, 88 yards, took 540 off the clock. And they went for it on a fourth and goal at our one-yard line. You know, we were able to stop the run, Evan Hall, on the – he only got one, three, and one, you know, slowly but surely when they were third and goal. And they went for it. Helensky run up the middle. We didn't – we thought we got him. And then it was like a late – uh, call right for the touchdown, but we thought we were able to do it. We were like, okay, well, we're not doing anything on offense so far. Do we want to be pinned inside this far? Because then they would have scored right off and took more time off the clock. But uh, obviously, we would have liked to have a stop there, knowing we got really close. Yeah, I mean, if I watched the replay yesterday, and uh, they brought in uh, Mike Pereira, and uh, there was no call immediately. Um, that one of the one of the refs signaled touchdowns, but no other ref signal anything. So I guess they were just going off one guy. But um, I thought one guy came from SIU sideline. I'm pretty sure he held up the fist like it was it was stopped. But uh, this guy came in from Northwestern sideline, signaled touchdown. Um, a lot of SIU players thought he was, he was stuffed, but uh, they let the play go. So I think it was one of those where you just had to go whatever they called on the field, and that's what they called. You're right, and we and we noticed that you know we weren't able to get a whole. We we'll get to the stats. We did have a couple of sacks in this game, but our pressure on the quarterback wasn't there fully to start the game on him because we know if you give him time, he'll throw the ball if they're not running it. And we know their running backs a great receiver as well. So we were, but we we're actually doing an okay job. And you mentioned our offensive line; they had an, our offensive line did great in this game. I mean, they're able to do obviously for us to score 31 points in the seven point victory. We'll get to them again, but. Once we got the ball back after they score, we said, okay, we have to score here, you know, at the end, uh, you know, nearing the end of the first quarter. So, and we, Javon, you know, he had some decent returns that, you know, we told him because we know there's the touchback rule within what the, the 20, right? So, I mean, they, he always has it or whatever it is. He has a chance to always do that. We know he always takes it out, risks injury, but we know he always gets wrapped up or lose, you know, loses where we would be if we fair caught it, you know, it's hit or miss with him on those, but we count on him a lot. He had a big game, we'll get to him as well, but no, this one, we started off well, this is when our offensive line honestly started to have a, a really, really good game. Uh, the Cox brothers got going big time on four straight uh, plays Deontay for 11 twice or once, sorry. And then, or him and Avante back-to-back plays. And then know what, Romero had no gain on this play. We noticed at the beginning of the game that he was running outside because we realized, you know, offensive line going into this game, not a whole lot of confidence against their D line. We were able to get Romero a little bit on outside runs, but then Nick hit Deontay again. And then, uh, you know, the biggest play of the game, a play that we've seen before, and we'll get to almost an exact same one that didn't work out. Ty Staniel got behind the defense for a 57-yard touchdown. Like I said, this is kind of, and we'll get to Jacob Garrett's big game as well. Those are plays that we've seen from Jake, Jacob over the years. But Tice, you know what he, like I said, got behind the defense and 
we noticed how we kind of bobbled it again because he's been doing that. We talked about it last week, and thankfully he caught this one and were able to match him here before the end of the quarter. Yeah, I believe it was the first play out of the quarter break. Yeah, but, uh, you're right. Um, I noticed that. If you notice, if you watch the game, if there was any, like, break or timeout or right after a turnover, Nick Hill took a shot, and right out of this quarter break, um, Northwestern was doing – I think they had, like, four DBs out this this past weekend. But they had a younger secondary. Nick Hill uh, got tight, went five wide, got tight, lined up with a linebacker. And Tice is a tight end, but he has very good speed. So he just ran right past that middle linebacker, and there was no chance. Really good play call and uh, scheme right away. Yeah, again, I mean, that's the kind of stuff we want to see from Tice. And that's stuff they're going to run with him. Hopefully you see, because like I said, they did it again, and we'll get to that. And <laughs> he dropped in the second one. We had a lot of – we we tweeted about it, and even Nick mentioned it after the game, excuse me, that they – you know, tons of missed opportunities in this game. So, thankfully, we matched them, but it didn't take them long. It took them the next possession and 10 plays in about four minutes to take the lead. No, and this is where we thought it was bleak. We thought at the very beginning it could have been when we were punting and then they scored before we matched them. This is where it was bleak because after they score, we went down nine plays, 50 yards, about three minutes, and Jake missed a 42-yarder. The wind was kind of – there were a lot of flags around the stadium, so we – it's kind of an open, you know, what – it's kind of an open stadium as well, so wind can definitely travel. Uh, we noticed how it, it was just, you know, the wind was a factor maybe, but he missed it a little bit right, we noticed. So after he did that, we like I said, we talked about Jake and needing to hit these and in these conditions and this atmosphere, it's hard to do. Uh, you know, Nico missed the one against Kansas State last year that could have been pivotal, so it was okay because – well, actually, I guess it wasn't because we said that we were kind of in like – bad territory per se but we forced their punt on the next play on the next possession by them they had a couple of false starts uh but they had a 45 yard punt to us and then Noah, this one we you know we know Avante's pretty short-handed and we know nick hasn't been like the most accurate so far this year and he's missed players he missed Avante in the back of the end zone in this game as well later on but no he tried to hit Avante on a a slanted and it went right through his hands, and one of their players jumped on it for the pick. So, like I said, at this point, we were kind of not thinking it was the best, uh, you know, part of the game for us and if we would be able to stick in this game. Yeah, I mean, after watching the replay yesterday, on the, a lot of those – a lot of them were short throws that were drops, but uh, besides the Tice one down the seam, um, there was a lot of velocity on Nick Baker's ball, and they were just going right through our guys' hands. Um, this one was a little bit off target, um, but usually they say if it hits your hands, you got to catch it. So, um, yeah, right then and there, you thought, oh boy, this could, um, they could go put some big time pressure on us because if they went down and scored on that drive, it would be down two touchdowns and we'd have to score right before half. But um, thankfully, they did not do that. I know because. You know, it was bleak there for just a couple of drives. <clears throat> We're thinking, you know, okay, they're going to blow us out now. But, you no, know, that flipped tight right away because on their next possession, we talk about him a lot on, you know, in this kind of season that he's had so far. Um, you know, we, we've been needing him. and We know he's, he was the starting middle linebacker and he had to come up big. Noah Branson Combs did on this possession. He got – Great in coverage. We know the former receiver he has. We talked about it millions of times. He had arguably the biggest catch in program history in the playoffs in the fall and the spring season. 
converted him great last year. Like I said, rough start of it this year, but Noah, I mean, this is what Ransom does, and he tackled better in this game. But Noah, I mean, knowing that he's got great hands, even that Nick talked about today, and we'll talk about him, you know, mentioning the turnovers in this game that we weren't able to get in the first couple. We can count on Branson in coverage. That's his best skill set outside of his tackling. Like I said, and he, he he was really good at both or has been really good at both, and he got in front and had this one to turn the tide for us in momentum. Yeah, really really good to disguise on the defense on this play. Uh, he being in a little probably um, zone, zone bubble right there as that middle linebacker and be able to drop, read the quarterback's eyes, and he knows where the play is going, and be able to drop back and be able to pick that off. Um, yeah, he was great in coverage. Um, he, had, he had Hole man-to-man a lot when Hole was receiving, but um, this is a big-time play. Then even to hurt Northwestern more, um, Halinski got a personal foul for uh, trying to he, – he cut one of the blockers um, for, I think it was Barola that he cut. And it was a 15-yard penalty, so we got the ball on Northwestern's 18-yard line. Great point, yeah. And we'll get to Zach here in a second. He had a bounce back himself in a huge way. But, no, like you said, they got to our <clears throat> our 18 or their 18-yard line and only took one play. Jacob Garrett doing his usual stuff. Uh, and, you know, he had the celebration at the end. That was the picture that everybody was talking about. No, this is a play we know Jacob can do. And literally everybody we just mentioned, we'll get to Zach again, but those three right there. <clears throat> I mean, Jacob's, you know, done an okay job at this point. But, we, you know, we mentioned how, you know, when he lines up wide in these games, it's like, why is he? We need him to do other parts. We know he's versatile and pretty valuable. It's like that's Tice's spot. We didn't see Remington Lutz again in this game. He was playing special teams. But, no, this is what Jacob Garrett does. And it was the start of an amazing game for him. Yep, it was a uh... – Great start, like I said, Nick Nick Hill. When we had there's a chance of momentum shift, he done it right after the turnover and the penalty. Took the shot, little very good slow action, slow play action, pull a little pop pass to Jacob Garrett, like we've seen so many times over his career for a touchdown. Be able to tie it up right there with two minutes before the half was huge. Even though it should probably. Should, we should have been up three at this point, 17-14, but um, yeah. miss, miss opportunity there. Um, but big answer for our defense and our offense to be able to score just like that. Yeah, I know we, we talked about how or in the first couple of games, clearly our, with like our defense allowing 98 points that, you know, they couldn't help our offense out even when it was struggling at times. And the defense was incredible in this game. And our offense needed to bail us out. And you're right. And this is where some of the missed opportunities lied. You're, you're right. Yeah. Speaking of Zach, he got this. He got a pick on on uh, their final drive, offensive drive of the half. Great. They tried to do look like a wide receiver screen. DJ picked it or tipped it right to Zach, and he fell on it for the pick. So the team is, you know, and we'll get to the corner because the corners played really well in this game also. And DJ having a huge play there, and. uh so that got us to, you know, wherever and decent field position actually. But Noah, we got we got a chance, thirty-two yarder by Jake on their fifteen, and it got blocked. I think you know I don't. We talked about the wind at first. Maybe that was the same side clearly that he kicked beforehand and he missed it. But this was obviously just a lack of protection on this one. 
and Noah, because they blocked it and they went almost all the way downfield. Luckily, time ran out, but they went almost, you know, in our territory. We couldn't really attack them. I took Bo and I think uh, Chase or uh, and uh, Chase to <laughs> run them down, whoever it was, to uh, you know, stop from being anything more. So luckily, the you know got to halftime before they could do anything with it. Because I'm sure if they got in that position, their kicker would have hit it, or they would have had a big play if they had time on the clock. So there was one of our huge missed opportunities. And this one that honestly clearly could have hurt us in the end. So now let's dive into the second half or the first half box score. Things that stick. We'll get to Javon and his huge game. What he was able to do and every single. Yeah, he was better in the second half in terms of receiving. He had one for 17 in this game. There was a tweet also about him that he was doing it all. And it almost seems like he's a better you know, what it, we've been receiving with him in the past, but nothing like how, you know, it seemed like it was in this game. I feel like that's how we should have been using him his whole career, like a tight end almost. But now let's dive into the second half box for if you got it in front of you and what stuck, what stuck out. Yeah, obviously, if you look at the box score, the biggest, the biggest thing that sticks out is your defense caused two first-half turnovers. I mean, that's big time. I mean, we hadn't done it all year. And be able to use it right then and there, obviously – not be able to capitalize on the second one because uh, a breakdown on special teams, letting a guy come clean through to block it. Um, but obviously what sticks out, um, being, holding them to 62 passing yards, um, but they ran for 152. Um, not being able to pass. We, we threw for 199, so we threw for 200. That was the game right there. I mean, if they, were, if they would have been able to air it out, they probably could have, Put some more. They'd easily put up more points in the first half without those two picks. But um, no penalties for us in the first half, and we we and we won the the possession battle. Uh, it was seventeen minutes and forty one seconds of that first half. You're right, and it sixty. We did. We honestly thought Helensky was going to come in and torch us because if they were going to have the protection they wanted, you know, and and if our coverage had been as weak as it had been. And, you know, in this game, like I said, we were attacking a lot better. Uh, you're, I think the no penalties on us and four on them for 30 yards definitely uh, is one of the biggest things. But uh, you're right. I mean, 30 rushing, we had a feeling that wasn't going to be the case and that wasn't going to be in our favor at all. But total yards, having more than them at this point was huge and more first downs. That is a big deal. And, you know, we, we know that we were fourth in this game at times, you know, especially in this first time we only had one. But – you know, it was a good play out of we, – we know we used a lot of – all of our timeouts in this first half to where we knew, okay, well, if you're not comfortable, you don't want to get blown out, you need to calm it down a little bit, and that's what Nick did when we didn't – you know, it seems like it was still in 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 opportune times where we where we had used timeouts, but obviously that really only matters. You don't want to blow chances in the first half, or you don't want stuff like that to happen in the second half. So, I mean, we were – outside of that rushing, we were – beating them and everything it seemed like no we were having a dominant game like honestly like even when missed stops we were talking we had a northwestern fan sitting next to us and we were he was talking to me a little bit and saying how we could have you know it should have been a 10 or more point lead honestly that's what it felt like and i'm sure everybody northwestern fans were actually fine and taking a lot of things you know i know you uh were talking to one that was next to you other than that you know they were pretty you know laid back in terms of us you know, cheering and other SIU fans that were around us, you know, for bad calls and stuff like that. So other than that, it was going well. We mentioned Bryce. No, he was, like I said, we didn't see him a whole lot in the second half, but it was good to see him in the role that we expect him to have. One catch for six yards, but no, he was active. 
and he had a brace on his arm. Obviously, that's probably had to have been what he was dealing with, but how key will it be to have him, especially and Isaiah, if, if Bryce can play, if he's not hurt from this game and can play next week, get healthy, get into the rhythm of the offense, and when you had Isaiah in there, how about this offense? But Bryce looked good to start the game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you look at the if you look at our first possession, um, or yeah, the first one that right away he was he was moving the chains and uh, was big for us. And he, what he can, well, we talked about what he, he's able to do in that offense in that slot, just to be able to get open using his quickness, using his hands. Like I mentioned, a hunter and fro, just being that that guy you can go to. Um, when maybe your your other guys can't get open like you want them to, so being another option in this offense is huge. And he's he, I mean, I would like to see him more, but um, probably go run it right going right into conference play. Don't want to show everything, so uh, use him when we needed him, and he was big for sure. So. Into the second half, we knew they had the ball, and we were like, okay, let's have a let's get a stop right away. And that's what we did. Three plays, only five yards for them. Minute and a half off the board, Noah, but then, which was great. You know, that's exactly how you want to start. We talked about how in these FBS games that, you know, we haven't won when we had a lead or we had a lead only or what? We had a lead in all of them except Arkansas State. So we were tied in this one. We talked about how our second half adjustments have never been great. And especially right out into the second half really has put nails in our coffins per se. So getting that stop and making them punt was key right off the bat, Noah, because then we went 11 plays, almost 50 yards, and Jake nailed a 45-yarder. This is one that, you know, was into the wind, it looked like, and he was able to get it barely in there. It probably would have been good for about 50, obviously, but kudos to Jake for that. Um, And those are the only points of the third quarter, Noah, but we know throughout – before, you know, things get even juicier that uh, that we talked about how – at what, whatever point in this game, was it in the second half that when Tice dropped his other touchdown, might have been in the first, Deontay dropped an easy first down that, you know, was a punt for some of these. So those were some of the missed ops. But uh, kudos to Jake, right, for finishing off a drive that, like I said, went about halfway of the field and for nailing that where it looked like it was in the wind, wasn't it? I mean, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, it was in the wind, and I think in warm-ups, we were watching him kick that direction, and he was good from probably 55 into the wind. Um, yeah, I mean, that just shows you the confidence um, Nick Nick Hill has in his kicker and the team has in him. Um, in a game like that, um, do, obviously it was fourth and one. I mean, we could have been aggressive to go for it, but the opportunity to put points on the board, and uh, him coming through is huge. So, um, SIU takes a 17 to 14 lead just like that. Incredible. And like I said, kudos to him. We know he's worked incredibly hard, especially after missing the one earlier and getting the blocked. He wanted to redeem himself. And that's exactly what he did. Now, let's talk about this play here, you know, where it was a downs play. We're able to convert on fourth and short. They try to get it to Hull in our territory. And, you know, we were able to stop them, which provided some more momentum, Noah. But before that, this is what the most controversial, you know, aspects of the game, without a doubt. They had a pick six. Branson had this one as well, ran it in, Noah. But they called, what, a penalty on D.J. Johnson on the other side of the field that had Mark everybody Davis. in 
Mark Davis. That's right. Had everybody incensed, you know, far side of the entire field. Nick was ridiculous and it, you know, it took, and then he got a penalty off this for arguing with the official who called it, but no, the crew chief came over and gave it to him thinking that he needed to be involved really, which he didn't need to be. Dive into your thoughts, obviously on that play because it clearly could have swung the game and took six points off the board. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that puts us up 10 points right then and there. Um, I mean, yeah, Nick Hill wasn't, I mean, he was heated, but he was having a conversation with the guy and it didn't even the play. The play wasn't even going to the exact guy that was being held. And after seeing, I watched a replay yesterday. We didn't get one at the game, um, but Mark Davis basically wrapped up the receiver. So, I mean, it was a penalty, but the fact that the throw that Helensky wasn't even looking that way and was going the other way and takes six points off the board is just was a big swing. Um, but obviously they, they went on a couple plays, but we held them on fourth down. Exactly. Like I said, whenever Evan Hull gets out of the backfield ready to receive, you got to be ready. And we were able to stop him. So that had momentum after that. Cause we said, obviously you took six points off the board. We were able to stop you. So there was no damage done, thankfully. Uh, and then, no, we, you know, we thought we were going to capitalize the next uh, the next possession, but we punted, had negative yardage on this. This is when Nick got sacked, I believe. Another 35-yard punt for Torney. Yeah, you're right. We noticed him and Jake at halftime, but Torney looked like, and wasn't Chase Reeves getting some punts off as well? He almost looked just as good, but, you know, it looked like, like I said, end of the win, it looked like his punts were maybe a little bit better, you know, at halftime, but obviously not on that one. Uh, and then, no, they they go down about a four-minute drive to tie the game uh, with their own field goal. It was only a 26-yarder. And then, no, this is when it started to get good for us because we went down nine plays, 74 yards. And this is when Jacob Garrett came into play again, but we had a whole lot of um, – this is when, you know, Javon got involved a lot. He actually had a 22-yard uh, return to get us. You know, it would have got us, I guess, around. He caught it around, you know, the edge of the end zone, got us to – about the point where we would have had if we far, fair caught it. But then, no, this is when we had back-to-back end-arounds for the Cox brothers that got us in position, got us downfield. First and goal at their nine-yard line. No, I believe – I think Nick was thrown at the Jacob in the back of the end zone, even though Tice was there too. He fell down, but thankfully Jacob was right behind him and caught a touchdown. So this is, you know, the best game of Jacob Garrett's career, and it could have happened at a better time. But, no, we were able to. We, we ran the same play twice with the brothers, and we were able to just storm downfield. And then, like I said, Jacob Garrett finished it off again. It was a really good possession that put us up seven and had our confidence through the roof at this point. Yeah, it was really good, really good execution. Um, they just really – once Nick Baker went under center there on those back-to-back handoffs, um, they didn't have anybody out there. So it was really Jacob Garrett. Um, one-on-one with a corner or a linebacker blocking to create space. Um, I thought Avante was going to break his, but um, came up short. But, yeah, really good play. Um, I thought it was – I thought Tice was going to tip it and go right over Jacob Garrett's head when it was happening. Um, he was close. But, yeah, really good. Really good. I mean, great execution defined. Nick Baker, the line protection, I mean, to take a lead like that, um, 
it was an incredible way to cap off that drive after um, Northwestern started the quarter by tying the game. So um, big time, big time execution, good drive. Um, so lead just like that, twenty four seventeen. Yeah, it's just showing that you know we were able to move the ball all day. You know, we know their defense going in allowed almost five hundred yards a game in their first two games. Granted, against like okay opponents. Uh, but we knew with our struggling offense that it was going to, you know, we knew we were capable and we know we're, you know, we come up big in these big games. So that was just an enormous drive. The fact you're able to do the same play back to back times shows you that you can, you know, that they're vulnerable as heck. So we are able to take advantage of that then Noah, cause they went down and looked like they were going to match us, but then Noah, one of the biggest plays of the game, unbelievable. There was a big play that had offsetting penalties that could have factored in, but it was uh, – they got the first and no on the second play after a big ebb and hole run. Uh, we forced our – we had a third takeaway of the game. It was by Richie. We know Richie likes – he takes over from Jordan and Anthony of forcing fumbles, batted it out. Chris Harris recovered it, Noah, at our 33-yard line. Our first fumble of the year. I mean, it, and then we talked about the new players, you know, Chris bouncing on that. Anybody could if they saw it. Everybody should have a nose for the ball in those instances. But like I said, I mean, we had a – you know, a couple of pe- people in the in these in this game came in, got a sack. It wasn't even any of our main guys. And Richie, we know he works his tail off in the game. He came over to the sidelines, sitting. We were yelling at him that, you know, good job by him. And you know, he hit it out. Chris Harris jumped on it. Like I said, got it at our thirty-three, and we were able to uh, go into what the our next possession was because we thought we were going to have even more momentum because the place was rocking. SIU chance were going. Uh, great play by, um, by Richie and Chris there, and then but we weren't able to take advantage of the next possession. Yeah, great play by Richie to to run to the ball and be able to strip that out, and Chris the awareness to jump on it. Um, yeah, but right away, um, eight minutes left in the game, we go to we go to Javon for eleven yards. Um, then Nick, um, we try quarterback keeper with Nick. Um, he only gets two. Then we try to rush to the right with Avante. Uh, that was for no game. So third and eight. Um, try to go to Deon or yeah, try to go to Deontay. I don't think that this wasn't the drop, but it was broken up. Good coverage by them. So we had to punt. Um, really good punt by Torney. Finally, fifty-eight yards, but it went into the end zone. So it was a touchback. So um, they were able to get the ball back just like that. Yeah, I know. And, you know, we thought that this could have been, you know, putting the nail on their coffin without a doubt, but not being able to do that. You're right. Nick, you know, with his own, you know, QB runs, he had a huge one in this game, whether it was, I don't know, if, without going through the play-by-play, if it already happened or if it's on one of these next ones. I haven't got it but, yet, uh, I don't think. Okay. And what we know that he's capable of doing all that stuff, you know, sometimes it clearly doesn't work out and we question you know, some of the play calling and that aspect of being able to use him, but it's almost just a, you don't need the plan for it. You just need to have, you know, have the option there, but then just, you know, trust him that he makes the right decision on it. But yeah, nothing there, no, but it didn't matter because right away the next the next possession for them, two plays after that bomb by your it was a touchback, but it was a bomb. Great to see. But then no, we get it right back because this one was, and we mentioned PJ. He had a big penalty or had a uh yeah, or let up a big play, came out of the game, act, game acted like he was concussed, but we noticed a couple of plays before that on one of their drives that they, that they 
kicked the field goal or whatever it was that, you know, he was flexing after he made a big tackle. So, you know, he gives up a big play and then comes out, but no, he gets right back in there. And then for this possession, gets a sack on Holinsky, the ball comes out and that is recovered by uh, Nick Okiki, who we talked about, you know, he, he would have had moments in this game as well, but none bigger than that. No, that put us right, you know, at their own 10 yard line and then a run, not sure who ran it exactly, but they got us Javon. nine yards to the goal line, and then Nick was able. Javon did, and then and then Nick got us right to the to the uh, goal line, and then Brandon. And he said that he got some nice uh, push from Jake, and he, t- he joked after the game that he definitely could do that all himself. Just followed uh, Koffel right up the middle because they joked about his size once again. But Noah, that was that was perfect, and it put us up fourteen. That is when, and it couldn't have happened at a, at a better time, you know, with only about five minutes left on the clock thinking that we put the nail in the coffin that we actually capitalized on something. And thankfully, yeah, Javon getting us to that point, he was having a lot of tough runs in this. We mentioned some of the catches. He had a catch similar to, you know, what he had in the uh, SEMO game where he bailed Nick out a lot. We mentioned how Nick missed Devontae in the back of the end zone. So Nick still got bailed out a lot, but he was still good in this one. And then he ran it up or he just sneaked it right in with help for that touchdown, Noah. And then, this is the point we said when it was five minutes up, we wanted because we were sitting on the far side. Come at some SLU fans around us. Then we walked all the way around after this happened on the defensive drive to sit by other SLU fans, uh, which was great. Like I said, we had like our whole, you're right, it kind of put them in a bad section, but it grew over time. There were some, you know, sitting in the shade up top. It was a great section. We worked our way over there for what seemed to be the end of it. No, I'm not going to say I guess there were any scares, but we let up some points at 16 play. 75-yard drive took about four minutes for them to go down. And I'm pretty sure it was on – yeah, it was on fourth and goal. So it was a big play. They got seven out of it, Noah. But it was great to go over there and sit with those SIU fans to watch this one wind down because then we just took knees after that. SIU chance rolling everywhere. It was just a – like I said, going over to that, it was nice to go over there and sit with those fans to finish it out. Yeah, it was incredible. Obviously, while we were walking over, they get those points. But – in the end, we were able to uh, get a first down and uh, then be able to take knees and uh, really put the put the game on ice and huge victory, being able to see those guys over there. And then the the fans chanting SIU, then the, team, the players come over and do what they usually do and do the fight song. Yeah, we knew that was going to happen. We knew we wanted to watch. We posted a video of it. It was great, led by Xavion. Just in, it was there was a lot of uh, parents of the players down in the crowd as well. It was just great. A lot, tons of alumni. We saw Javon Maman, basketball coach. Uh, we know he's from around this area and stuff. So just you know, having almost everybody there was great. So getting this enormous win. We'll dive into more. We'll talk about uh, dogs of the game here shortly and some other takeaways, but let's just iron out the box. Passing with about 240 yards, seven per three tutties and that one pick off Avante's hands. They threw a little bit behind him. Uh, We mentioned Javon threw a a little bit, even though he was mainly a rusher and receiver in this game. We'll get to it. Incredible. Dabrowski came in and had a, had a catch, but no 10 for 55 for Javon. We saw a lot of Wildcats still, but he was powering through a lot of these runs for these big hitters that Northwestern has, you know, at the Big Ten level. It was huge. And then, honestly, the Romir couldn't get going in this game, you know. So we had to rely on Javon to run and then, you know, Avante on his runs and Nick 
net 10 for 16, but he, he did have that biggest one of 20. Uh, so again, not the biggest, you know, the best game for Romero or Justin in rushing the ball, but uh, you know, great to see Javon do that. And then Noah, all it took for Tyus to lead us and receiving was two plays for 65. We mentioned he could have had another touchdown and over a hundred yards in this game with three catches. If he would have caught that other one, uh, and then Javon, Noah, like four for 48. Where's he been? He's caught in his career, like I said, but nothing like this. And granted, a big game. Hopefully, we see more of it because we've been relying on Romare this season and with some of our receivers out until this game with Bryce and then soon with Isaiah. Noah, seeing Javon catch like this is just like it just opens up more things. And with Jacob catching like this as well, and we have limitless options, you know, so many options for Nick if he's protected, which he was in this game. So many options this year. We get all healthy. You know, it seems like who's going to stop us, but it just mattered on the protection. And we had that in this game. And kudos to Javon for doing about everything again. Absolutely. I mean, this has been – obviously, he, was, he got the ball more, but he's been lining up like this all year in Wildcat and receiving. And uh, finally, a week went by where Nick Hill wasn't asked about Javon's usage and where's Javon. So, um that's good to hear because he was all over the place. He's always all over the place. Sometimes he just doesn't get the ball. I mean, only one one catch for Avante. Um, if you told me that at the beginning of the game, I told you there's no way we win this ball game. Probably got blown out or he got hurt or something early in the game. But um, Zach Gibson finally getting involved. Good to see. But, yeah, all these weapons, um, getting them involved in this offense. Really, really nice to see. You're you mentioned Devontae that we, like I said, looked like his, his hand was getting looked at, his surgically repaired hand, which which wasn't good. Like we said, we didn't see him celebrating. He might have walked over there. We were too busy in the whole moment. We didn't, like, specify with players at all. But, yeah, you're right. If one catch for him, we would have got for sure blown out. And thankfully that wasn't the case. Other people stepped up. Hopefully he's okay. We know he's strong. He fought to play in week one. He's going to fight to play in week three or week four, excuse me, this weekend. So that's a wait and see. But. You're right, just a lot of people just stepping up. Javon doing his thing, and then our, our tight end's coming up big with, Deont- with Deontay and then Zach, as you mentioned. Yeah, first catches of the year, we believe. And some of them were, were nice. He had an eight was his longest, so good for him. And then Noah flipping on defense. Uh, PJ seemed like, like I said, he struggled on this one at times. He had the huge uh, sack that forced a fumble. He led us in tackles, though, and then Antonio. We're, one of the takeaways of this game we'll get to now, the, the new players. Even George Douglas, who had three tack or three tackles in this game, one for loss, and that was the one Noah where he stuffed him up the middle, that caused a fourth and short with whatever they did with it, and he had to run back on defense. He was celebrating, but that was a huge play. That's plays we expect him to do. We mentioned Antonio was tackling a lot better in this game, seemed a lot more confident. He had a pat, he had a uh, pass defense as well, and then uh, who was I going to say next? And then Mark Davis. We mentioned how he had that. You know, he he did have that uh, flag, but it was out of the play. But he had big moments in this game, too. So it's guys like that, knowing that Okiki jumping on that fumble. This was by far the best game that we've had from all the new players because a lot of them have been underwhelming to this point. You can throw Bryce Miller in there, but definitely on defense. Yeah, absolutely. We expected big, big-time things from these guys. I mean, Dune Smith had a sack, two tackles, um, big-time. You saw it all over the place. Um, I knew once we played more one of these run-heavy teams, once we got in the Valley play, I really thought Antonio Fletcher could 
come on and strive, and that's exactly what he does. That's why I said, uh, in in the in the pre in the pre podcast, I said maybe this is what this team needs. I mean, this is more of our style of play, um, a slower, sometimes slower tempo, uh, a more physical game, and our defense really brought it to them. Played physical all game long. I mean, our front um, was really good. Their stats don't show, but those guys in the middle, Dante Cleveland, Cam Bowdry, I mean, those guys. I mean, Dewey Green had a sack in this game. Quentin Lee played pretty well in the limited time he got. Um, I know Raekwon Lindsey went down at some time of the game. He had ice around his knee. Um, so hopefully he's back at some point. But Keenan Agnew, those guys in the middle did a really good job, that D-line. Lewis was all over the place. So these new guys and these younger guys really stepped up and they showed a lot of growth over just the first two, two and a half weeks of the season. And now they, they put it on tape. So um, we know of the levels of play they can play at now. So we're going to hold them to it. We hadn't seen it the first two weeks. So um, now we know what to expect from this defense and, um, the pass rush, yeah, three sacks. I mean, that that's a really good offensive line. They have a first round pick, a left tackle. Uh, so you don't see a good offense as good as Boston line like that in the valley. So expect more sacks to come and the turnovers by this defense. So um that's the defense we expected. That's the defense we heard of all offseason. So it was great to see they finally came out and showed what they're made of. It's a great point you made that this is the best offensive line we'll see all year. We know some of the other caliber teams that we'll see do have really good offensive lines as well. And you're right. I mean, not being able to get to the, you know, get to the passer, you know, this is as good of uh, battle tested as you need to be for moving forward. Without a doubt, we noticed how you're right. Uh, yeah. Do we get in a sack? He came in, I think, obviously, because we saw a lot of the, you know, the second, you know, batch of guys in there a lot. And whenever Raekwon went down, I guess that's when Dewey came into play, which was a huge play. And, no, I see down here Clayton Bush. We know he he avoided a targeting in this game. He ended up hitting with his shoulder in real time. It easily looked like that. And it kind of got swept under the rug until the end when they, you know, when they finally looked at it. But, no, he, you know, Clayton, we know he's he's a ball hawk, but he, he you know, he can be either hit or miss and, you know, screw you over in games or help you in games. And he only had one tackle in this game, kind of not his best, but he played down the stretch because we knew that he could, you know, flip the switch in a play and make it happen, you know, next to Antonio. So needed our playmakers out there, but you're right. I mean, I think there was pressure on the new guys to find, especially the ones that are the utmost veterans. Mostly all of them are Okiki and George Douglas are the oldest out of all those guys. And Chris Harris, even and those guys just came out and battled. And play good with us. And you're right, Dune Smith, great to see him. He was pumped after the game as well. So you know, it's just that them getting confident in the program and to have it translate to the field definitely happened in this game. We noticed you mentioned Raekwon's injury. We did see David Miller come out and was injured a little bit. He was on the field, came out, and then came back in and played well. So that was good. And then, like I said, we did see Mark Davis step up in this game as well. So it was just a solid overall game from the defense. You're right. Just, a, just obviously, just like we said, the biggest bounce back you could possibly have in a, in a game, uh, you know, the best possible way because we were our backs were against the wall, arguably. So and that's what they did know. So let's let's point out dogs of the game. We talked about how, you know, who, who was our in the pregame, if we recall. I, 
if you remember at all. I'm just going to iron out to see how they did, even though we have other options with the pick for these. Um, you I recall believe, it all? I might have said Javon. I don't remember. I believe my offense I said I think we both went Avante. Then I know defense, I said Nick Kiki because we needed some pressure. Um, then special teams, I don't remember. But, um, yeah, dogs of game. I mean, obviously you can pick some. We can pick them, but this is a group effort. This starts with your coach, your coaching staff, who had a great plan. Do have a team that was 0-2, looking at 0-3, going into conference play, staring right in front of you, having to beat a Big Ten team. I don't know if I could pick individuals here. Um, this is an all-out team effort. We talked about this defense and their depth throughout the offseason and going into the offseason. If you don't have that kind of depth like we do, we wear out and they that offensive line runs and they run for 400 yards like we've seen North Dakota State do against us. So I don't know if I can – we can do it. I don't care. But I don't know if I can pick individuals like an effort like that that I saw. But just looking at the effort, after watching the replay yesterday, that block field goal at the end of the first half, if you watch all 11 guys give everything they had in their tank from the first half to sprint down and make a tackle, if you watch Nick Baker's hunching over after our linemen make a tackle right in front of him because he was going to have to make the tackle if they didn't, I mean, the effort they gave, I mean, if we can get an ounce of the effort we saw Saturday, we'll be just fine the rest of the way. For sure, and I think, and especially in that moment, you're right. I mean, that they that easily could have changed the landscape of the game if they score there, and then they have a different game plan, per se, out of the half, and then they put us away to that point. You're right, the effort's there. Seeing the offensive lineman do that and seeing your quarterback, you know, go, you know, because he was holding, you're right, going to see him go do that. I, I agree with that 100%. The, the effort seemed like it has changed. We know when we're getting blown out by 35, the effort's not going to be there in the first game. And then the effort was there in the SEMO game, but just had the struggles. We, we talked about it, but you're right. I mean, seeing that hopefully flip everything with this team could mean everything. It's, you know, besides the cliche of like Javon doing everything in this game that helps you and Nick having a good offensive game. And, but, you know, we, we talked about it during the game. It's like we should give it to the offensive line because we thought they had been struggling this whole entire time. Uh, you don't have, you know, Sam Buck, who's, been starting all year, so you just have the offensive line that you do, and we thought, you know, we had no shot. They have a good front, but no outside of a couple of sacks that they had. I mean, they easily – I mean, they protected enough for Nick, you know, and he made good decisions when he ran, but they protected him enough to be able to throw these passes, you know, in the red zone that we've been struggling with, with you know, throwing the Jacob, throwing the one to Tice, you know, the one that happened and the one that didn't, just all those. I think it's easily the offensive line just stepping up against a Big Ten team, let alone the struggles that they've had against other FCS teams and the CMOs of the world, which I don't want to get anything away from them because they're having a good year and they're not ranked. But doing it against a Big Ten team is just unbelievable. And like I said, I think that shows the vulnerability of Northwestern's defense. And we were, were going downfield a lot, maybe wearing them down, but great protection in this game. And, you know, defense, you know, I, uh, I, I'd probably say, you know, you could say Branson because he had just a huge bounce back. He, he should have had a pick six along with another pick. Him bouncing back. I mean, you could say Antonio for bouncing back and having 10 tackles and playing clean football for him. I mean, you could honestly pinpoint it for a lot of people. But 
I'd, I'd probably go with Branson because he made the plays and bounced back for him this season to look ahead. So I'd go with those. And then, like a special team, Noah, you're right. I mean, going back for a lot of our main guys that are on the field to prevent them from scoring that touchdown on the block, whatever. And we know, you know, Jake kind of struggled, but he hit a key 42 or 45-yarder in the win. You could easily say him. Torney was rough outside of the 58-yarder. So we won't get too specific with that, I suppose. You know, Javon – Puts us in okay position at kickoffs and stuff, but uh, and then fair caught most of the punts. So picking out ones there or whatever, but definitely defense. I think you could point to Branson or Antonio. People, the whole effort. It's it's always hard to pick individuals. You're right. We never want to pick cliches. It was going to go outside the box for people that you know definitely changed the outcome of this game. So you know after this game, players were tweeting, running rampant. We'll get some quotes here in a second, though. But after the game, uh, we'll, we'll just go through Nick Baker's ranks now, where he stands all time. That Nick or uh, Mike posted this earlier today. He's eighth now and uh, past Sam Straub. We know Sam had a really good short career – or not short, he had a really good career here. Nick was following in his footsteps before the, even the short ones ahead of him. Past him, he's now at 4,577 yards for his career completions. He's seventh at 381. And then touchdown passes past Corey Faulkner. He is now 35th. He's two behind Sam Straub, and it looks like Noah potentially he could at least obviously get in the top five, maybe around fourth, right behind his head coach there. Uh, it's crazy. I mean, Nick is talented. We know it. It's just the fact that when you see all these lists and Avante, who's been here for barely three years, climbing lists, the production he's put up, and then now Noah Nick, you know, he's been here a long time, and he's been the starter now for is it two and a half seasons at least, or two full seasons that he's already climbing these lists. We know the – he put up, you know, record numbers last year, and he's had a tough start so far this year. But now he's back, and he won Offensive Player of the Week. So, no, a good bounce back for Nick. And seeing him on these lists is crazy past him because we thought somebody's got to step up after the Sam Straub, you know, was here and played well. And then, you know, like I said, the little ones before him and Stone doing what he did. But, no, seeing Nick on these lists is crazy because he's got eligibility left. Who knows what the future holds? But he could very well be in the top five of all these by the end of the year if things go well. Oh, I absolutely. I think, um, especially passing completions, probably yards. Um, he'll creep up there. Um, probably pass Nick Hill at some point this season. Um, depends on me what kind of football games we get involved in, but yeah, I expect him to keep creep creeping up. Then next year, um, I don't think he'll catch Sam Bursky in a lot of these, but, um, one more year next year, who knows? I mean, easily top three is very, very achievable for this kid. Um, knew we come out of Rochester that we took a chance on him. We were his only scholarship offer, and now he's climbed the ranks in SOU history. Yeah, and it's funny because he talked after the game about how Northwestern didn't recruit him because of his size. And he, you know, he had some motivation going to this game before him. You know, it's hard to expect yourself, even the, with the career that he had and with your size to, you know, to go to a Northwestern, to go to a power five, let alone big 10 school. But he mentioned how, and some of the workouts he had, he was, he, he was dominating. So he was confident and he didn't land there. And then he ends up with us and the rest is history. But uh, yeah, I mean, great, great showing by him. So now let's dive into some stats here or some uh, quotes from Nick that happened right after the game. And then we'll move on. Nick, after the game, said, we had a daunting task today starting 0-3 in the face. If we don't beat a Big Ten school, man, they battled. It was fun to watch the competitiveness, the competitive spirit. Uh, 
Then he said, against a team that moved the ball really well against two Power 5 opponents, Nebraska and Duke, it felt like we really made them grind and earn everything. Uh, when he mentioned the uh, the takeaways, he, and then DJ after the game said, I never lost confidence in our guys. It's been hard keeping everybody up, but we pushed through, and I knew we had this in us. Uh, and then Coach Hill added about Nick Baker. He's just – yeah, has his competitive spirit about himself that's unmatched. I don't think his stats matter to him much. He's just not used to losing much. It bothers him to lose. You can see the disappointment in his eyes after the last two losses. Uh, Jacob Garrett spoke, said it's an unbelievable feeling after the struggle of the first two weeks. We came out today and believed we were going to do this. And then there's some more there, Noah. Or Coach Hill ended with, it's hard to put this one into words, just proud to be a Saluki and proud to be the head coach of this team. We did notice, Noah, after the game that, you know, the TV caught it. We saw it after the fact on Twitter that Pat Fitzgerald talked to him after the game. Looked like, I, you know, I wish. I don't know if somebody did. We mentioned how we had a presser. We uh, you know, kind of barely watched it. Maybe at the latter half, somebody asked him about the moment they shared after the game, which was cool. Uh, you know, really cool for Nick. And then he was, you know, celebrating after and running around the field and stuff. But uh, it was, it was no, it was after the game that they talked about how, and they talked to Javon and Branson. The one thing they kept saying was that how they never wavered, you know, after being down 0-2. And, you know, it seems like the cliche, you're never going to say that after you win. And it seems like even though us fans, we were we were expecting to be 20-point underdogs and lose by that or more. And they ended up, what was it, 12 and a half to start, and then it, it creeped up slowly but surely. Fans were unconfident in this game, you know, just how we were playing. But the players never wavered. They said they you know, went to practice day by day and took it that way, uh, you know, obviously, which was key. So, no, what are your final thoughts on this game? Yeah, obviously, being to be able to part, making the trip um, and be able to be a part of history watching one of the wins, one of the two wins of against a Big Ten school in history. Um, I mean, like I said, the effort that we saw was just, like Nick Hill said, it was fun to watch the intensity that they played with, coming into this game, putting it all out on the line for each other and picking up a huge win, um, getting on a getting right back on where we're supposed to be on our winning ways, going into conference play, um, keeping your season. Because if you dropped 0-3, you're almost going to run the table, like I said, or run the te- almost run the table. You could probably lose one to be able to somehow sneak in to the playoffs. And now beating it, putting this on your resume and be able to go with the confidence that you know you can beat anybody on your schedule the rest of the way is just huge. So big win. Um, great to be a part of it. Um, can't wait for this Saturday to get back on the field. Yeah, just seeing them celebrate in the locker room. We love seeing those videos and obviously them running over. They were jumping in the stands for the fans and stuff. So it was just – it's moments like that that can carry a team to success the rest of the way. Uh, and, I mean, it just puts us back on the national spotlight because we get to it. We are finally ranked again. But, you know, we were retweeting everything we saw that was good about it. We saw – you know, and everyone was talking about how we got paid 550000 to come in here and win. We mentioned just funny that that's happening to a lot of schools because Marshall did. it got paid a couple mil to go, you know, do what they did. So it's just, you know, capitalizing on wins along with getting paid to help the program. And that's obviously huge. Darren Rebell tweeted about that. You know, Paul Paps, who's seems like a proud alumni. He's, he loves just the small schools. He's kind of a casual to this point. He'll tweet about us, you know, or post about us whenever things go good. But, you know, those national people like that. Sam Herter talking about it just puts us back on the national map. Like I said, there were just tons of tweets about it. And I had a post about, 
where's it at here about that we're the first FCS team to get a win over a power five team this season uh, and the seventh of all the FCS to get an FBS win. So obviously our wins, the biggest of the, of the season so far, we'll get into some other scores and other matchups that other FCS players have. But quickly, we, we mentioned Nick's Monday presser. Uh, like I said, listen to a little bit of it, mainly just about the things of this game. And he was asked about the turnovers and not being able to get them uh, and saying how that's key and can, you know, push a team forward. You know, after he mentioned the, the two picks and the two fumbles that that can give a team motivation on that side of the ball. He get, he gave credit to, uh, you know, this was after the game. He gave credit to the defensive staff for working with him and, you know, just – and I know we have a good defensive staff. We talked about that. We saw our linebacker coach. His name is Mack. He was active as heck, and we, we heard Dalman getting, you know, posi- and this happens in football, but just seeing, you know, how prepared they were getting the, you know, special team unit ready before, you know, if it needed to happen after the next play and stuff. So it was just the whole team, as you said earlier, the whole staff did an amazing job in this game. Uh, and then he mentioned about where this – or Mike asked him where this win ranks and his playing and coaching career. And clearly, no, it's got to be up top. You know, obviously, we we talk about the playoff games, and Nick mentioned that, and Mike, or Mike mentioned that, and Nick said how beat North Dakota State in the COVID year, uh, you know, at home when they were number one was obviously huge. He mentioned them. But if we were to rank them, Noah, from our perspective, I mean, this one's got to be first, right? Outside, And we'll talk about the playoff wins and then North Dakota State win. This one definitely has got to be up there. Even the Northwestern seems like they're, you know, they're kind of funneling around. They're not the best team, their version this year, but it's a Big Ten team nonetheless, and nobody else can do it, and we did. Yeah, it's definitely up there. It's definitely top five, probably top three. Um, obviously, North Dakota State being number one, coming to our house, be able to Nick Baker's first start, taking them down. Um, obviously, the first playoff win against Weber State, the way that happened is up there. Probably those two plus this one is a top three, whatever way you want to put them, but obviously up there. For sure. So speaking of those other games, no, let's dive into uh, what the other games happened this weekend for the FCS and in the Valley. Yeah, obviously, um, we knew some. We knew there were some big opportunities for Valley schools this weekend, uh, and some other Missouri or some other FCS schools. Um, but Youngstown um, traveled to get number nine Kentucky. Um, expected a, a better fight, obviously. Playing an SEC school in the top ten program is a an, is another level level, but uh, Kentucky thirty one nothing over Youngstown um, blowout loss. Thought it'd be closer in this one. Yeah, we were pumped. We were pumped for Youngstown going in, and Jaleel got stopped in this game. But we know that's Kentucky's ninth for a reason, and. But, man, we talk about Youngstown at the end of the year. It's going to be tough playing them, and but they're still good. You don't want to get shut out. And, you know, Kentucky's better than Northwestern. We easily could have as well. So that's just a tough matchup with Will Levis. So uh, I think Youngstown will be just fine. That's a game that can humble them moving forward in the conference play, and they'll start winning some games. Um, yeah, uh, Montana traveled to Indiana State. Credit for Indiana State for getting that one. 49-14 blowout Montana defeats the Sycamores. Uh, Cal Poly, um, South Dakota hosted them, 38-21. South Dakota gets their first run of the year. So they're back on track. Really fun game. North Dakota went to Northern Arizona. Big win for them, 27-24 for North Dakota. So they're coming in with a little bit of um, 
high hopes and coming off a win, big victory. Southern Utah, Western Illinois, 17-10 win for Southern Utah. Uh, Western Illinois drops to 0-3. Another big one, uh, Northern Iowa drops to 0-3. 37-21 loss against Sacramento State. I know Sacramento State's a pretty good football team, um, but Northern Iowa starting to struggle. Um, some other ones, South Dakota State blew out Butler at home. Illinois State blew out Eastern Illinois. And the two big ones, we thought Missouri State was going to upset Arkansas, but they were, Arkansas came alive in that fourth quarter. 38-27 win for Arkansas. Then the other big one, uh, North Dakota State upset. If you go by the betting odds, upset on the road at Arizona, 31-28. Yeah, and I, I mean, Missouri State was up 17 to nothing in that game. We were actually eating or we were, you know, traveling and then stopped to eat halfway through our trip and thinking that they were definitely going to do it. You know, Shelly was on fire to start off with. They were running the ball a lot, just, play, you know, playing dynamic. And then they were only able to get, you know, 10 points the, the latter you know, two quarters, but they were they gave up three straight touchdowns in the game. That was if they would have done that. I don't think a lot of people are high on Arkansas. They probably think they're a little overranked, but that's still an SEC school. That's still tenth in the whole country. That's something they did. Something that you know we haven't been able to do and have we haven't played a ranked team in forever. It seems like we know Ole Miss wasn't when we played them. Kansas State was on the brink last year when we played them, and Northwestern wasn't this year. Having those opportunities would just be incredible. And you're right, they were, and it was a close game right throughout. I mean. Uh, North Dakota State have it. I remember seeing like tweets about their defense was playing well in this one, but Cam Miller only threw it 12 times. So I guess they tried to do a whole lot on the ground. And, you know, uh, Luke Key, 18 for 115 and two tights. He carried them both rushing and receiving. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's a tough one. You're right. I mean, we honestly, well, I'm not going to say expecting North Dakota State to win, I guess, but that was a tough game. You, you've talked about Arizona, you know them well in the Pac 12. That, Got a quality program, so that was a tough way for North Dakota State to lose. What are some other ones around, though? We saw uh, Incarnate Ward lost again – or won again, excuse me. They're climbing. You mentioned Sacramento State. Yeah, they're really good. Northern Iowa at home getting that game. It's showing that Northern Iowa, we need to beat them this year. That shows that they're not the same as last year. Anything can happen, clearly. But that shows the game that we need to win. Anything Anything else? SEMO won, killed Nichols, and we mentioned that they're now ranked. Anything else stick out with these other games? Yeah, not really. Those were the two I was going to mention. The Carnet Word, a 31-14 over Prairie View, then SEMO 42-16 over Nichols State. So, um, we'll keep in touch. Villanova got killed by Army. That was surprising. Maybe. Yeah, we thought that would be a little bit closer. Um, but other than that, we'll keep in – we'll watch Incarnate Word. We'll watch SEMO and some other top teams in the country. But that's it for all around the FCS. Yeah, so jumping now to the rankings, we mentioned how we were ranked, and that was according according to the stats perform top twenty five that had us at twenty four, along with the uh, triumvirate poll that had us at twenty four as well. But no, that we know that that's you know doesn't seem like the one that truly matters. The coaches' poll seems like what matters, and we're not ranked on that. Uh, but neither is SEMO, which is surprising, I guess. You know they've you know they beat us at home when we were ranked. Granted, we were what nineteenth, but. I think they deserve to be on this list. Youngstown makes tied with Richmond for 24th to finish it out. Uh, and no, I mean, it, I mean, we well, honestly, we should, if we won by two touchdowns in the game, I wonder how it's viewed, but 
uh, probably still the same, you know, but you go beat Northwestern, whether that, you know, puts us on this list or not, it obviously puts us on the, you know, on the up and up, right on the outside looking in barely, but we know we have to finish it out or, you know, go on a little run here in conference play to earn our way back in this. Uh, but we still, we don't have a problem with not being ranked still. Cause you know, we proved it one game. It was against who it was, but we got to sustain it now. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Man, it's uh really shocking not seeing SEMO ranked. Um, thought they deserved a little bit more respect than that. Then I don't know why Incarnate Word, obviously, who they've played. I mean, they have an FBS when they blew us out. And then I know they just barely won this past week, but only a seven. Um, trying to see. I mean, we we received more votes than SEMO. I don't know how that's possible, but I mean, the the voting is always about the past, of what happened in the prior couple of years and the history of whoever's program. So, um, if I was a SEMO fan, I'd be pretty upset. Yeah, and you know, and you know, because everyone knows that we were a good team to start the year in everybody's eyes, and now we beat Northwestern, that we would be ahead of like a SEMO, even though they beat us and they beat us by six or that seven. And then, you know, and they lost to Iowa State, so they failed to win their big game. I don't know how it's all looked at. It's all looked at in those strange ways. You, Incarnate Word should easily be, I think, in the top three. We know South Dakota State, you know, they've been funneling around a little bit. You know, Missouri State. Understandably, them they had a seventeen nothing lead, but they still lost. And then Montana State got, you know, they lost, and they're still that high and stuff. Villanova lost big and still tenth. So I mean, it just it depends what you did do before in those couple games. Yeah, I mean that's why when Youngstown got shut out, and they're you know they're they made it, but that was because of what they did before. So it is what it is. Yeah. So I just look at this because I just see Chattanooga. Don't they play Illinois coming up? I remember you mentioned so Chattanooga's not bad. So yeah, they're not. They're not that bad. We know they almost beat them in the tournament in basketball. So, it'll be a fun matchup there for them. So, yeah, other than that, like I said, I mean, we we did what we could have to get in. It's no big deal. We're just looking to sustain now and obviously punch our way in with these conference wins. So, moving on now, Noah, quickly here before we end it, we'll talk about a small North Dakota sneak peek here. Let's talk about what the commits did this past week. One in particular – we're actually able to talk to. Uh, we got a DM from Logan Minton. We've been talking about him, our tight end commit. He said he's been listening to our podcast and he's, you know, he's loved and we appreciate that. He said that the stats initially on SDL today weren't correct. He said that uh, they were wrong the first couple weeks that, you know, in his stats, week one, he had six catches, 69 yards, and then two for 42. And he, they said the starters got taken out the first day because they were winning so big. But unfortunately, the post-dispatch did that to us. Noah, didn't he clarify those, the ones – you know, maybe there's some that are correct now. Dive into maybe his other game here, and then because he, he mentioned that he'll keep us updated. But if the if the website's now up and running and actually gets them right, then I guess we can still go by it. But he'll he'll let us know. Let's dive into him, and then all the other commits what they did. Yeah, that's what I had him. I had him for two for forty two this week. Like he said, only played one half. They were up forty nine nothing at halftime. Assuming a running clock. Um, happened in the second half. It was a 49 nothing final over Northwest Cedar Hill. So Lafayette, after losing that first week at Marquette, close 21-14, they, they win big three in a row. So they have improved to three and one. So good to see for Logan and Lafayette. Um, then another one, let's go out to Kansas where Derby 
and Miles Wash has, uh, after dropping that first one in overtime to Manhattan, have won two in a row. Um, this week they beat Bishop Carroll 45-38. So on a win streak there, um, going up up north, um, Blaine Halley and the Olympia um, Olympia Spartans, after winning their first two games big time, they've dropped two in a row. Um, this week they lose on the road uh, 42-14 to Williamsville. I know Williamsville is a powerhouse in their in their class rank in their class. So um they dropped two in a row. So on a bit of a losing streak, hopefully we'll bounce back this week. Going down to Florida and the Baker Gators and Caleb Wagner, they pick up their third one in a row after losing their first week, 36 to 12 over Jefferson County this week. So uh Baker Gators and Caleb's starting to get things going on the ground, hopefully, um, and getting things going. Um, up to over into Indiana and the Crown Point Bulldogs and our boy Aiden Durig. Um, they improved to five and zero on the year, forty two to seven. So um they are have they are full steam ahead, um, looking um to continue to dominate everybody they play. Um, going down to uh Georgia and our guy Amir Dwight, um, they improve two, three, and one on the year with a nineteen to nothing win over Sumter County. So a big win for them. Um they continue um to look pretty strong. Then going down to our guy, our two guys in Prattville, uh Alabama and Tice Cotry and Carmelo Smith. Um they pick up a win 24-21 um over a pretty good Op- Opelika team. Um drops that was Opelika's first loss of the year. So after two straight losses, um they're back on the winning way, so hopefully they can keep it up. So um some 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 winning streaks, some losing streaks for our guys. Um, like I said, if they're listening, like just like Logan, um it's hard to find stats that we can trust around here. So either Post your own huddle links. I know a lot of recruits like to post huddle links and um, show what they got, their stats and stuff. So hopefully that can happen. Um, but DM us if you're listening to this so we can keep track of you guys. Yeah, well, like I said, we took so much pride in it last year, and they had up and down seasons as well for some of those guys. And there were so many commits that we had last year. And we have a lot this year, and it'll perhaps keep growing. We know um, – you know, just in general, we'll see more recruits at the game, you know, this weekend and throughout the season as well. So, yeah, you're right. If they are listening, and thank you, Logan, for listening and letting us know and correcting it and stuff. So feel free to keep doing that, and you're right. Whatever which way, if they want to help us with the stats, because you, you do do deep deep dives and do a really good job at finding it for us, for us to even give it to our fans. So another good job again so we'll we'll preview their other games on the North Dakota State preview at the end of the week uh so now Noah speaking of North Dakota let's go ahead and end it here with small preview of them Nick was asked about it a little bit uh you know in his presser we didn't get a full chance to listen to we will have quotes from him at the end of the week of what he said and that as well we know Noah that they almost beat us last year in the short game we've talked about how that game went but Noah they they played constant close games. Nick alluded to it in his presser a small bit that nine of the last 10 games, they played close games. And so we know, you know, we're in for a test in that regard. Uh, you know, they always play tough. They're always good. 
teams like fighting for playoff spots, you know, sometimes, you know, obviously they, whether whatever they haven't made it in the last little bit, but no, we know they're always tough. So let's give a small sneak peek of what they have to offer before we preview them end of the week. Yeah. It's a, it's a team that, like you said, plays close games. They played Nebraska really tough. Um, beginning of the year, they're two and one. It was tied 17, 17 going into the fourth. Uh, but yeah, we, we know this team decently. Tyler Hoosman, their lead running back, Isaiah Smith, um, two pretty good backs, so got to watch out for them there. And we know Tommy Schuster, um, a, a smaller quarterback just like uh, Nick Baker, so um, they do a pretty good job getting him out of the back, out, out of the out of the backfield to see, let him see the throwing lanes. Um, then we know they bring in uh, Quincy Vaughn, the backup quarterback. Uh, to rush a little bit. So um, defensively, pretty good football team. Has some talent on that side. So um, should be a good one. We'll preview more on Friday. Yeah, they're a great test. And, yeah, they beat North, Northern Iowa to be 1-0 already in conference play. So, yeah, we talked about it. We'll talk about it again. The stretch here, these next two games, you know, seem winnable before we have a juggernaut in three weeks from now. And then and it's soft again for three more. So we have some – you know, they're not solved. All these games are going to be tough. But just knowing when you need to strike on some of these teams and just be better at home. We're hoping we continue to do that. So, yeah, we will cover them at the end of the week. So, a great pod. We, you know, obviously coming off a big win, being able to make the trip ourselves. We'll always try to make it if we can. We love going to these big games. We have for years now. And thankfully, this one was in Chicago to where we were to have a lot of alumni and a lot of people make the trip. The Dog Pound made trips or made a trip as well. And, you know, just saying we saw fans out to eat, you know, where we were Friday night. So it was just it, it was just great. Great weekend, an all-time win for the program, Noah. So your overall thoughts on that game or the overall on what where the program stands and where, you know, obviously moving forward, just your final thoughts on this whole thing. Yeah, obviously get a win, put you in the win column, get you back on that right track. Um, like you said, some favorable games. I like where we're at um, to start this conference season. Obviously, take it week by week, but yeah, excited. Um, obviously, great atmosphere. Love going to a Big Ten school, getting a, a huge victory. So excited to see what the rest of the season can home. Start one and zero in conference. So um, ready for Saturday. Yeah, and, and it's two o'clock game, and, and you know Nick was just talking about how he was asked about a game like this to propel you moving forward. And they don't, and he was asked about, I think he was asked today about a game looking ahead or the stretch of games. And he's just focused on the moment. They said they went in and watched film yesterday when they got back players were tweeting about how they were, you know, getting back to work immediately. They were able to enjoy that bus ride six hour bus ride down 57 uh, on the way back. So enjoy it in the moment. It's one we need to celebrate for sure. And then we move on because, you know, conference season is, ever so important. So looking forward to discussing it. Like I said, one of the biggest wins in program history, honored to be a part of it, honored, you know, to seeing this program get wins like this to move forward, to be the team we want to be. That's bottom line. So for Nick Malone. No alerts. Until the end of the week, go dogs.